0: Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. So let's get to the Word of God. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. Thank you that we can rejoice and be glad. Thank you that this is more than religion, it's reality. It's substance, is the manifest salvation of God that has come to us. Uh, revealed in the spirit, Lord, as we have understanding. We pray that you would bless your word and prosper it in the hearts of everyone who hears this word, Lord, that it would be beneficial, that it would have great reward, that it would have a return of fruitfulness as a good seed planted in a good heart, bring forth good fruit and a harvest which glorifies your name. Were you able to see the substance of the outcome, the Aharif of... Your results and consequences and final end of all matters. So let us live with that in purpose, Lord. We're not living for the here and now. We're not negotiating like Esau did. Losing our birthright for a morsel of bread at the front end. He lost the legacy of a lifetime for his sons and his grandsons. Even later on, he wept because he desired to repent and he found no repentance, Lord. There was no opportunity to amend And fix and repair that which he had lost. So make us wise today to live today establishing foundations as Abraham who is seeking a reality whose maker and builder is God. We pray that we would live in the land of promises today that we might inherit that man who keeps his promises. Jesus whose promises are yes and amen. We pray Father God that you remove distraction and Father God uh, disconnect. And lust that makes us live on the front end of life and miss out on reaping that which we could be sowing today. Bless your word and prosper it in our hearts. Let it not return void. Let it be a lamp unto our feet and save souls today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 and amen. So we talked about Aharith, a Greek word, I mean Hebrew word that means the summary of all things, the end of all, the conclusion. You don't want to end up knowing that you're on the wrong side of eternity. Somebody was saying that there's, a, there's these men that climb these ladders, and they're climbing, 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 and the ladder is leaning on the wrong side of the wall. And they only find out when they're up there, and they turn around and they say, I'm supposed to be on that wall. You, you climbed the wrong way, the wrong direction, because you didn't have. There it is. That's what they were preparing, a slide. Good job, guys. Let's give a hand to the media. There's are sharp. They're the best in the land. Uh, Aharif, the Greek word. Um, the, the Hebrew word. I'm sorry. Thank you for the correction. Look, I was going to say that C-H is ah-ha. Uh, in the. Uh, You've got to be careful. You might spit on somebody. Um, um So so. Ah-ha. Uh, And not acharif, which we would say uh, almost like a charity type of deal. But acharif. uh, And the T-H is an F. Acharif. Um, So that is the Hebrew word that means the end of all things. That means God wants you to live with the consequence of the end result. Listen to me. Have sex before marriage. You have a baby that you have to introduce into this world without a father. Who who would want to do that? It's just the end. Any man who wants you to have sex with them before they marry you is a fool at best and a wicked person at worst. They don't want to have the end result in mind. They live for the moment of their intimacy without caring about if you have a husband or if that child is going to have a family. And, And that's who we were before we met Jesus. He's going to have kids all over the city without families because we were living for the lust of the moment. And that's the devil's nature. He wants you to live on the front end of emotion and feelings and not on the end result of the beautiful wedding, the honoring of your wife, the welcoming of your children, all these things that are so precious and treasure, this is what God intended. But nobody instructed to on us on that. So we have this scenario, Hebrews 10.38. Um, if anybody is not living with the end in mind and he's drawing back, I don't want to live with the end in mind. The Bible says God has no pleasure in him. He says, uh, Hebrews 10, 38, the just shall live by faith. But if anyone is going back or living at the front end, my soul has no pleasure in him. God doesn't, doesn't he doesn't say, okay, you don't wait on me, you're doing good. Or you're not going to wait on, on having a family and getting married before having children. God is like, that doesn't please me. Verse 39 says like this, therefore, we're not of those who draw back. We're not going to live uh, ahead of the times um, we're not of those who are going backwards to perdition but those who believe and then the forward is salvation say with me of the soul why would they put the word soul there because that's what God cares about if if we were to th- listen we were on Friday night here. We did. Uh, we 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 had the inauguration of the new pastors and the celebrating the, the pastors that are moving on to another uh, time of ministry, and and I asked the, the the children what is the food of the spiritual man. And so some people said vegetable. Some people say, because they said if he's spiritual, he doesn't like the good things, you know, so it's vegetables. He likes the broccoli. That's a spiritual man. Um, some said peas. You know, they hate peas, so a spiritual man must love peas. Um, and they said cheese. And I said, no, 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 a spiritual, the spiritual man, the inner man doesn't eat physical food. He's eating spiritual food, the word of God, prayer, fellowship, the will of God. So that's the, that's what nourishes or alimenta, yeah, nourishes is the nourishment of the inner man. But if I were to pass out a paper this morning uh, to each person, and, and, and I told you, write the most important thing there is for you to keep in mind while you are alive. What is the most important thing? Just put it at the top. Your number one priority in life. I guarantee you, I, I'm not a fortune teller, but I could guarantee you that no one would have written the soul of man. No one would have written that word. The soul of man. And, and the Bible, the, the entirety of the work of God is to save the souls of men. That's that's, that's at the forefront of God's most highest priority upon the earth. It's not building buildings. It's not uh, building orphanages. It's not giving food to the poor. Because you could spend your whole life doing that and lose your soul. You could lose your soul to eternal condemnation. That means you'll never get out of hell for your soul. So at the forefront of the most important agenda in heaven is saving the souls of men. Amen. Amen. Now, some people don't even, have, they, they don't even know they have such a thing. And I'll tell you who these people are. Those who despise every element that is beneficial to their soul. Pastor, explain that to me more. I don't understand. Well, let me tell you something. You have a soul, your wife has a soul, and your children have a soul. And God's priority upon the earth is saving the soul of men. Look what First Peter chapter, um, I believe it's 1 verse 8. I have it here in my notes just in case I mess up here. Okay, 1 verse 9. First Peter 1, 9. Receiving the aharif of your faith. That everything that your faith, everything that the reason we're here this morning, the end result would be the salvation of your souls. A lot of people come to church for many different reasons and I almost am rest assured that, that rescuing your soul, saving your soul is not one of the reasons you came to church this morning. You might, you might want to celebrate the Lord. You might want to give thanks to the Lord. You might want to spend time in his presence. You might want to keep the word of God. But, but the end of our faith is the saving of our soul. What is the price that God might put on the soul of men? Does anybody know? How, exactly. How would he pay for getting our soul back into heaven? Because your body, some people don't understand, your body, your body is going in a direction. If you've seen me the last 18 years, you see the direction we're going. The body is going in the, it's going away into the dust. Dust, you came, and dust, you'll return. So people are like, come on, these Botox and... You can do everything you want to your body. It's going down. You see, the gravity is pulling us down. (laughs) So the body, we know. And and listen, the the children on Friday, they were talking about what feeds the body. Vegetables, peas, cheese. But there's something that that nourishes the soul. And, And that's God's priority. And if you don't understand that it's your priority, you neglect it. You don't take care of it. You don't, people, when they see you, they don't see your soul. But when God sees you, He sees that that's the component of eternity. He says, This is what I'm going to take with me up to heaven. So He's not, I mean, some pastors pray, Lord, give me hair, Lord, give me hair. They pray for the physical, but they, okay, so that's important, but that's not the priority. The, the end, Aharith, The end result and consequence of what happened in our lives. Many years ago I explained what happened to me. When I first started getting to become a Christian. So that was the beginning. The end result is whoosh. You know. My soul is satisfied. My soul is saved in the Lord my God. I'm well nourished. I have no appetite. I have people call me all the time. Hey pastor you know something. I'm in this big business deal. Well I'm telling you. You want to know what the Bible says about your big business deal? How many businessmen want to know about your biz- big business deal? Because if I do this one, man, I'm going to help the church. You don't help the church now. I'll never see you again if you hit that one. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You're a joke. 1 Timothy 1 9 says like this He says, Be careful, those who desire to be big businessmen upon the earth. Knowing. Let's go to 2 Timothy. I'm I'm talking 1 Timothy 6, 9. That's what it is. 1 Timothy 6, 9. I said 1, 9. Those who desire to be rich, all the businessmen. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. You kidding me? That's right. Thank you, sir. Is that one man with integrity, two men. Businessmen. (laughs) Businessmen. (laughs) You're like this. You don't know what's a priority in your life or else you, listen to me, those who desire to be businessmen will fall into many temptations. It didn't say many. It says temptations, a snare, a pitfall into many, say many, many, foolish, harmful desires which destroy men and bring them to perdition. Man, if you see all the negative words in this verse, I was like, Lord, <laughs> I want to be a businessman. <laughs> Get this stuff off me. Why would I, in my good mind, want to put my soul and the souls of my wife and my family and my grandchildren in the grasp of hairy snares, foolish, harmful lust? No, oh, I got to go to Las Vegas, Pastor, because it's just business, strictly business. business. <laughs> Sin City? Really? That's, that's the best plight you could do for your business? Many foolish, harmful desires which drown men in destruction and perdition. Listen, if you're a businessman, I pray that your wife is praying for you, the church is praying for you, you're getting involved in things that God wants you to get involved with, otherwise we'll never see you again. The devil will lock you up forever because you followed the carrot into destruction and not preserved the soul unto salvation, which is what God really cares about. Really cares about your soul. He could care less about you going to hell with a six-figure income or millions of dollars in the bank account and lose. In fact, listen to what the Bible says. And you tell me if you've ever heard this verse before. And and this is it. Ready? ready here goes. I gotta get it. Come on, Pastor. I got two minutes. The favorite two minutes, right? Look at this verse. Matthew 8, 36. What profits a man if he were to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Soul. So God God puts every earthly pursuit and riches and treasures on one side of the balance. And on the other side of the balance, your soul. And your soul... Lost, Mark. Yeah, did I say Matthew? Yeah. Okay, yeah, Mark eight thirty six. What shall it profit? Tell the person next to you, a hey, businessman. How about your soul? You ever consider? Do you ever consider that your soul is going to be lost while you're pursuing the things upon the earth? Listen to me. Everything in the world is designed to sink your soul. Everything. Uh, God says you either serve mammon or you serve me. So why are we so quick into pursuing that which tanks the soul? What, What value are you putting on this? And I want to tell you something. There's a good 95% of men upon the earth that could care less about where their soul's going to end up. And the souls of their family and their children and their grandchildren. But as for me and my house. Our soul is the most precious thing. We have put it at the forefront. My friends would say, I drive a Mercedes Benz this year. What do you drive? I said, I drive Brandon to school. (laughs) He's my Mercedes Benz. I'll put my investment in the soul of my precious son. I give my life for my so- the soul of my sons. I'm not going to despise my family. That that is cherished, the highest. Well, I, I got a Ferrari this year. How about you? I, I got Joshua. He's growing really big. He's, his feet went from a six to a twelve. Growing, man. Growing my net worth. Isn't that amazing? That the souls of men are discarded and that you allow the fools of this earth to challenge the preciousness of your souls? The souls of your children? Listen, what profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his sons? If he loses his family, if he loses his legacy. And so the soul... And it says it again there, and loses his own soul. I, I thought God would like put something more valuable than just a soul there. Uh, the whole world's worth, uh, treasures, and a soul? A soul? The value of a soul? Uh, he says like this. He says, if, if you're weary, and you feel like things are going astray, contemplate um, 1 Peter 2.11. Dearly, beloved, I beg you, as your foreigners and pilgrims just going through this world, remember, we're not going to stay in this world. We have no, there's no, a friend of mine says, Joaquin, I bought 35 properties this year. I was like, okay, let's say if you bought a whole county, you bought a whole county. Okay, you got 35, imagine a whole county, you get, okay, you get... I don't know what the counties are in Florida, Bay County, Broward County, Monroe County. Say say you went to Monroe and you bought all the property. I said, now what? You're going to have to give that up. There's going to be. So here he says, I beg you as foreigners that are sojourners, as people that are on the journey, pilgrims, abstain. Do not participate from that which pulls your, your flesh, the lust of the flesh that war against your soul. Why are you allowing things to, to drag back that which God is pulling forward to a place of rest, a place of confidence? I, I had many invitations. Uh, listen to me. I, I can't even believe I'm going to turn 50. I'm just like, that's not Joaquin, 50. But listen, 25 years ago, I had law firms that were saying, come, and we're going we're gonna to set you up. We're going to make you pretty. We're going to give you a lot of money. I said, no, no, I would not have the riches of the peace of my soul, the rest of my soul, the things that war against your soul. What are you allowing to pull on your soul? And in what direction and what priority? And how is it that that you've come to the place where you didn't even realize? um, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Paul says, I pray that your whole body, soul, and spirit are ready for the Lord's coming. This is, the, this is I didn't even know, like, like Richard didn't know who God was and how to talk to him and how to follow him. I didn't know that men were made up of a body, which food, a soul, and a spirit. But it says there, the God of peace separates you completely so that your whole spirit, soul, and body are waiting for the Lord's return without any hangups. I'm not living for the pursuit. Of the riches and the possessions that this world has to offer me. In fact, these things war against my flesh. They come to pull. Pull me away from the rest that God says. Um, I love that, that invitation he gives there. I'm going to find it. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Here's the invitation. Come to me, all those that are worked up and carrying heavy burdens. For I want to give you rest. Yeah. Come to me. This is the direction you want to take your soul in. Those who labor, those who are busy working and are burdened. And I'm going to give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon me and learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly and humble. And when you take a gentle and lowly heart, you'll find rest for your souls. So I had a friend of mine and he was practicing law and I preached to him for 10 years and, and Alan Goldman, and come on, Alan, come to Jesus. I don't have time. I'm busy. I'm working, I'm working. I'm working. Goes to the hospital, finds out he has pancreatic cancer, goes back to his office and shoots himself in the head. Really? That, that's what you're working yourself up to? So the day that you have a problem, now you're all worked out and you have no peace. You have no, you're, you're unsettled. You're, you've left your family a wretch. Because you, you haven't kept the soul in a place where he says, he says and you will find rest for your souls. You're, you're, you're creating the environment so your soul is at rest and in salvation. He came to save the souls of men. He came to save. What happens here? Luke 12, 20. The great rebuke. The guy says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work. Arr. He says, you fool. Tonight, they're coming for your soul. Then who's would those things which you have provided belong to? In, in the light of the end result, the, the harif of your life, which is the saving of your soul, what, what is it that you have at the end of all? And when you're not living with the end in mind, you will miss the target. You will miss the way you should be going. Um, In the book of Psalms, it's Psalm 73, I believe, verse 3, David starts getting caught up in the affairs of men. And he's like, man, when I looked at the, I was envious and boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Man, where my friends are and what they're doing and how they're going And and then you see that you are, you're living a different life. You have a different purpose. You have a different priority. You're living for the benefit. Carlos is a good example of that. Mr. Estrada has said, this is the most important time for the souls of my sons. I could win the whole world. I refuse to walk in that prosperity and neglect my family. Refuse. The cost is too high. To neglect the future. Listen to me. You see my three sons and you see men that they don't care if their house burns down. They don't care if they lose the whole season of basketball. They know that their soul is healthy. And if they got a healthy soul, anything else in life doesn't matter. It has another category. He says, I was envious of the prosperity of the wicked until. Let's go to verse. Let me see. I got it written down here. Verse seventeen: When I thought to know this, it was too painful to me. It, it 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 attacked my soul. Until I went to the sanctuary of God, then I understood their aharif, their out final outcome without God in this world, without hope, without having some place to go. Then he understood. At first, looking at the prosperity of the wicked, uh, I started out like that also. The the first. The first five years of my law, uh, of being a lawyer, I was a youth pastor. And all my friends were graduating from big law schools, and they were getting, they were pursuing the world's wealth and priority. And they're, and I was like, Lord, look at those guys. And he goes, you're in a different economy. One soul that you win is more than everything they're making. And I got you shepherding souls. It's a different economy. It's a whole different paradigm. Now you go fast forward 20 years later. And and a friend of mine, Chris, um, who was one of the best attorneys in town, his life is destruction. His life is a total mess. He lost his family. He lost his children. His wealth is his shame. He's hanging out with with prostitutes and, and women that are not related because of his money. And you see the wealth of the of the riches of his grace in my life. And it's, it as far surpasses any of these things. Hebrews 13, 17. It says, obey those who are governing, ruling over you. Listen to them. Be submissive for they watch out for your souls. When My sons are, are drawing near to me and they're saying, dad, this thing about becoming the youth leaders is hard. I go, no, it's really hard. Because while you care about men's soul, and you're trying to take care of these young people, they care about candy and they care about other priorities, and they other pursuits. And when you call them away from their pursuits, they hate you. They don't like you. When you call their attention, you're no longer cool. It's hard to shepherd the souls of men. And so there, that is our job. Uh, obey those who rule over you. A lot of people call me all the time. They're like, Pastor, I got a great business deal. And I, they're looking at their bank account. And I'm looking at they're going to lose their soul. They're going to lose their relationship with Jesus. They're going to drive their family into bankruptcy. They're going to lose the greatest riches they've ever had because they didn't value them. They must give an account. As those that are watching out for your souls, so allow them to do so with joy and not be sad. For if they cannot take care of your soul, you are not profited. You are, you, it's not profitable to you, it's not useful. And so this is the warring aspects. Matthew 24:13 says, "He who is able to hang on to the end will be saved." He, he who is looking f- with the end in mind. What is the end consequence? Uh, one, of the, one of the girls came up after she'd been there for 10 years. So she was here from, let's say, 8 to 18. And so she's going into college. And, and, and she comes up to me and Yvette. And, and her mom is like, we're worried about our daughter. We want to make sure that the future is bright for her. And so I said, okay, let's talk about this. Who... Do you want to end up like? So they said, Yvette. I mean, obviously, you know, we, we want our daughter to end up like we see your wife. You know, the, the life she's living—it's incredible. No, <laughs> you you want to end up like Hillary Clinton? <laughs> see, you're getting everything ready to produce a Hillary Clinton because you're doing nothing like Yvette does. When Yvette was going to college, all her friends were becoming lawyers and doctors and teachers. And she withdrew and started a family. And all her friends were like, what are you going to do? And now, go forward 20 years. They've all lost their families. They've lost their children. They've lost their health. they got great careers. They make a lot of money. But they despise the soul. They didn't make God. They didn't make the church. They didn't make spirituality their pursuit. So we told this mom, everything you're putting your daughter in line, I see see Hillary right there. The end result of everything you're doing is Hillary Rodham. You guys want me to say the word, right? Okay. No. No. We are not going to live life like there is no end result. End result. And so there it is, he who perseveres to the end shall be saved, those people that have the end in mind. Hebrews 2:3 says, how shall we escape? How shall we avoid travesty if we neglect such a great salvation? If you are indifferent, if it's not a priority to you, what will be the end result of where you're headed? We have the example of Lot, 2 Peter 2, verse 7. Um, He delivered righteous Lot who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. This guy Lot, even though he had a calling to be with Abraham and go in a different direction, he started going in the direction of his soul and his desires. And God was able to save him who was surrounded by the conduct of the wicked. Verse 28, it says... That daily, his soul was being afflicted because of the companions he chose to surround. Can we get verse 8 up there? For that righteous man dwelling among sinners tormented his righteous soul from day to day. Every day, man, look at these people are greedy. They're nasty for more. And I don't have enough, and I want more. And then you come into the sanctuary of the Lord, and you find out their end. And the Lord says the most important thing is your soul. That all things are in place for your soul. Um, it would be horrible for you to have desires that are not consistent with the purpose of God. Acts 20, 24, Paul says, none of these earthly things move me, because my target My focus is on the end of my life. None of these things move me. I'm not drawn. I'm not pulled. I'm not tugged. None of these. I don't count my life dear to me so that I might say with me, finish. Finish. My race with joy. The ministry which I receive, The end result that I received from the Lord Jesus. And this is the good news of grace that I testify to. This is the game plan. This is the game plan. What is most important? This is the way Jesus did it. Hebrews 12, 2. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. He's our example. Who set before him the joy and allowed him to endure the cross. Who for the joy that was set before him, he saw the end in mind, he endured the cross. He he despised the suffering, the shame, so that he could sit down at the right hand of the Father. I, I want to challenge you this morning that you not be... Like this man in Luke 16, 23, he didn't think about the end. He lived life without considering what would be the consequences of his pursuit. And being in torment in hell, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar and Lazarus in his bosom. He was able to see the man who lived for the end and the man who lived life of luxury on the lap of his personal pursuit. Verse 24, he said, Let me go back. Then he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he might dip a toe, dip um, a finger in water and cool my tongue from the torment of these flames. Verse 25. But Abraham said, No, son, remember that a good lifetime you received. You pursued good things, and likewise, Lazarus is evil, but now he is comforted, and you are tormented. Your souls are in two different eternal destinies. Verse 26, he says, then let me go back. Let's go to verse 27. I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send me to my father's house. Could I do it all over again? Could I go and set the priority in those guys that are still upon the earth? And verse 28 Wanting to go back, for I have five brothers that he might testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. End up at the wrong place or surrounded by wrong people, wrong pursuits. Uh, yesterday, talking to my daughter, I said, listen, you're, you're 16 years old. You have to start deciding who you hang out with. I can't tell you who to hang out with. You have to decide if that gathering of people are people that love Jesus, are walking with God, desire blessing. Because you're going to have to make those decisions if you pick places just, oh, I just want to go just because I've got to go. Yeah, yeah you got to go and you want to go. But where are you going to surround your soul with who, what, where? What's the purpose? You choose. If it's going to be a place of wisdom, a place of godly people, godly, people that love God, people that are, you know. And she goes, yeah, but it's the park. Go to the park and take 15 wise people with you to the park. You don't have to go to the park where the fools gather. Where people that don't consider God or that they don't live for God. They're not a priority of God. We'll witness to these people, but we're not going to fellowship with them. Are you crazy? We're not going to gather with them. So there it says, my five brothers, let me go back and tell them that there's a place of torment. Their body's not here no more. There's no more plastic surgery. There's no more haircuts. There's no more styles. It's the soul of men gathered in eternity. Verse 29 he says, Abraham said to him, they have Moses, which is the law. They have the prophets, which is the Old Testament. Let them hear the word of God. Verse 30. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. If they see the end result of every man's soul. I, I pray that God gives you, take off your scales for Armani and for Gucci and Muchi and all these kinds of things. And see the soul of men there laid bare. Where is the weight of these guys? There's no Lamborghini. There's no Maserati. There's no fancy cars. It's the soul of men in eternity. At the forefront of all matters. The soul of men. Verse 31. And he says, no. He said to them, if they do not hear Moses and prophets, neither will they be persuaded even though somebody rise from the dead. I want to tell you something. Every single one of you have risen from the dead already. And if your family doesn't believe what has already transpired in your life, they're not going to believe if some voodoo doll comes or a zombie comes back. That's not going to help. Your life is a witness of you coming back from the depth of hell. you raised in Christ Jesus. Your soul is precious uh, commodity, an asset upon the earth. You could rub along the souls. Proverbs 11.30, I believe. I hope I'm right. It says, wise men place their focus on winning souls. The fruit of righteousness is the tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. It's not him who wins money. It's not him who makes a lot of money. Listen to me. Every meeting you have, every business uh, plan that you have, that you despise, the souls of the men that are sitting there, that, that's a weight of responsibility upon you. There can be no greater purpose. Uh, as George Carrigal went to go sit with attorneys this week, he says, you know something? My life is about testifying of the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I, I was doing uh, closing deals uh, across, there was Daniel Mayobre. He was a realtor, had been married five times. He's on his seventh wife, the couple in between, and and was able to win his soul at a at a at a business deal at a closing, testifying to him about the preciousness of his soul. So we need to concern ourselves. Concern ourselves with the souls of men that surround us on a daily basis. And and obviously, if you trip up one of these souls into hell, don't think that God treats that as a little thing. Don't don't, don't think for a second. There's not huge wrath of judgment for those people that are taking loads and loads of people to hell. Let's stand up this morning. and, And we've brought back into perspective the faithfulness of God that he is going to his pursuit for all things. And so now today, what we've done is we've put the end in mind. The end of all things is the soul of men that the devil wants to wrap up. He wants to tie up. He wants to bind. He wants to yoke and take with him to hell. The souls of men. And so that precious soul, the Lord died on the cross to save uh, his faithfulness is the salvation of our souls. Um, and so whatever the pursuit is, and, and, and there's a balance in these matters. You guys know we eat good food. We live in comfortable homes. We drive nice cars. But those are not the priorities with regards to also putting up there the souls of men. And that is why a cup of water that you give to somebody, it's just a reaching out and, and, and refreshing uh, that heart, to, and drawing them near. Yesterday I was with one of our cousins. I said I don't understand. I don't understand why you want to do life alone. There's a gathering of people. That we're celebrating life. And doing life together. And, and we rejoice. And we, we celebrate. And we, there's times of refreshing. In every stage of life. Uh, this morning as you have contemplated. The word of the Lord. You want to break. Those chains that are. Warring against the soul. Pulling you in the wrong direction. And I guess, um, you know, they say that wisdom comes with age, right? Wisdom comes with age. Um, Every time one of the young guys, uh, when I was 21 years old, I went by my pastor's, Pastor, I'm flexing on my, and I'm showing them everything I could do. Come on. And he's like, listen, slow down. Slow down because you're going to exasperate yourself and you're not going to finish the race. You won't even be around when it's time to celebrate the finish line. And so all those things have set in mind in the last couple of years, you might also want to contemplate a restructuring of all your priorities and pursuits to saying the most precious thing is a soul, my soul, right? Because what you don't do for you, you're not going to do for somebody else. Then your wife's soul, your children's soul, your friend's soul, the community, the earth, the nations. Father, thank you this morning for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you that just as David in Psalm 73 verse 17 came to the sanctuary and was able to know the end, the aha wreath of these men that lived for prosperity and wicked pursuit because they despised and they neglected the saving of their souls. And we don't know that tonight our soul will be demanded of us and then what will we do? Who will all these things go to? Why did we pursue them as a priority and not what you pursued as a priority, which is the saving of the souls? The priority of the spiritual nature that nourishes the soul of men so that we're not weary and heavy laden and worked over. But your yoke is easy and your burden is light, Lord. That's what we want to carry. We want to celebrate and not be depressed. We want to rejoice in the time to come and not be saddened. That the end was a, a dead end. An end without fruitfulness. An end that wasn't passed on as a legacy to the next generation. Thank you for putting the end in mind this morning. That our, our desire would be able to see people like Richard Romero. And, and Mr. Estrada. And Caracol. And, and all the men that are here, Lord. That have made a conscious decision. To put the value on the preciousness of the blood that purchased the soul of men. Allow our daughters to look towards the future with great rejoicing in the time to come because they've done well, Lord. They desired and they pursued the nourishing of their souls and not in the temporary nature and pleasures of sin, O God, that lead to destruction, that are a snare to our life's pursuit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you for Jesus and the cross of Calvary. Thank you for shedding your blood to save the souls of men. We worship you. We adore you. We pray, Father God, that you continue to put eternity in our perspective. That we not lose sight of the internal destination of the men that surround us on a day-to-day basis. While they, while they boast in their wickedness. While they boast in their prosperity. They don't understand that the end of all things will be sliding the slippery slopes of hell's fire. We pray, oh God, that your peace would keep us and deliver us and that we would be wise and knowing people in these last days. Let us be a light unto the world. Let us walk in in the understanding that as people look at our lives, they see why we're different. Why, why do we have patience? Why do we wait till things fall in their place in your order, in your perspective? As we seek first the kingdom of God, all things will be added, Lord, in your faithfulness. Wash us with the blood of Jesus, Lord. Cleanse us. Bring clarity to our eyes. Bring strength to the spirit man. Galatians 6, verse 9 says, do not be weary with doing the right thing, for in the time to come, you're going to reap great pleasure and great harvest of good things laid up for those, Lord, who have been patient. We glorify your name and we bless you in the house of God and everybody says amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.